0: Anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there. And you can rent out my house. You send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by a buddy of mine, Thomas Clements. He's a freelance photographer, videographer, and producer. He has spent time filming Seek One, Lee and Tiffany at The Crush, and other projects over the last few years. So we discussed Thomas's job as a freelance creative, what that means, and uh, some of my experience and background and, and what I consider creative with uh, wood, my wood carving days and making gun cabinets and, and then also some advice for those that are wanting to become a hunting photographer and filmmaker. And then our, our conversation transitions to a different front that uh, I think is extremely important about how hunting media affects our world, self-regulation, consumption, and much more. This is a really important conversation that is not as sexy to talk about as deer hunting tactics and topics. But I think it's really important, no matter who you are that's listening to this, that uh, takes in media, which you are as you are uh, listening to this podcast. So on this week's Mountain Buck Monday Story of the Week, we have a story coming from Kyle Bensing out of Pennsylvania. And this is a really well-written story Uh, I really enjoyed reading it from Kyle about a hunt with his son and even uh, a little bit more of the story here but I'll get into it as Kyle wrote in this story pretty much goes back to November of 2020 after coming home from my annual rut hunt at our cabin in Pennsylvania I was very discouraged I'd spent almost an entire week hunting what I felt like should have been some of the best days for rutting action on our property and had seen less than a handful of deer When I started to think about it more after a few weeks, I came to realize that the only reason likely for all the pressure our land had seen for a few weeks. See, I am only one member of an 18-member deer camp. In the weeks leading up to my trip, our other cabin members had been going up almost every weekend, and there were four-wheelers being ridden around our property almost every weekend as well. It was at that moment I decided I was not going to let things like that control the outcome of my hunt again. My father and I had talked about getting into saddle hunting for a few years, which ultimately sent me over the edge on an adventure I'd never seen before. By January 2021, I'd begun e scouting public land within an hour of our cabin. In a few weeks, I had multiple spots and remote locations picked out that I wanted to get boots on the ground in and start hanging cameras. February 14th, which my wife wasn't very happy about, rolls around. One of my best friends, my cousin, and myself, in 16 inches of snow, stepped foot for the first time on a piece of public. By the end of the day, we had covered eight miles in the snow up to our knees and hung about five cameras. Every year since then, we make two to three trips up in the off-season to change batteries in the cameras, swap cards, and non-cellular cameras. Move camera sets that are not being active what we want to see and hang additional cameras. When we made this jump, I told my cousin I believe it would take us five years to truly learn the deer in this area and that if we killed a buck in there before that, it would likely be sheer luck. Well, this year, luck ended up being on my son's side. Every year, we go up for the last four days of rifle season to make drives with other members of our camp, friends, and family of the members. And this year was much of the same, although we were doing it on this new piece of land. My son, a buddy, and I were walking in on a different trail than everyone else to set up for the first drive we had ever made in this area. It was a trail I'd walked in and out many times, either for camera jacks or to archery hunt the ridge top we would be lining up on. This time, though, things looked and felt different. There was snow on the ground, again, something I hadn't experienced since my first trip there. Snow was falling from the sky, and my son was able to be by my side for the first time ever in this area. I often bump deer while walking back this trail, but I'm never able to get shooting with a bow in my hand. We moved slowly with the wind in our face and I was constantly scanning around knowing that any deer out ahead would not be able to smell us and would be easy to spot in the fresh snow. As we rounded a bend in the trail, I looked up ahead at the hillside across from us and there he was. I got down quickly and had my son get beside me when I put the crosshairs on the deer. I could immediately tell it was a great buck for my 13 year old to take as his first buck. I told him Caden, it's a good buck. Are you ready? I heard the safety click off as he said yes. I counted three, two, and before I even finished one, I heard the crack from his gun. I looked over at my son and said, Caden, you got him. He just fell over. The excitement, joy, happiness, and pride that the three of us shared in the woods at that moment is something that I will never forget. Man, that's an awesome story, Kyle. And like I said, very well written. And, uh, a really great buck for your son's first buck. And, uh, so anybody wants to check that out at East meets West hunt on Instagram or East meets West outdoors on Facebook, you can see the pictures of the, of this deer with Kyle and his son, Caden, really cool. I appreciate you sharing. And if anybody else wants to share their mountain buck story, uh, to be featured on mountain buck Monday, just send it to my email boat, East Just a short paragraph or two and some nice clean photos, of uh of you and the deer and whatever else helps tell that story you would love to be able to share it with the audience uh and other news uh this weekend yeah, i believe it'll be this weekend that's coming up here i will be at the great american outdoor show let me see what those dates are the third and fourth of February. So I'll be at the great American outdoor show with Maven optics and I'll be working the booth there. I've worked that booth for the last like seven or eight years. And uh, so excited to be there. And uh, if you want to stop by and check out some of their binoculars, their spotting scope, the rifle scopes, range finders, all that stuff in person and want to check it out and talk with me there. Feel free to stop by and I believe they'll be in the same booth, which is in the, in the gun hall in the great American outdoor show. So right by the main entrance there, um, come find, come find us and come chat. That'll be really cool to get to talk to everybody again this year. And then on that Monday, which would be the 5th of February, I will be hanging out over at the Spartan Forge booth and kind of bouncing around the show a little bit. Uh, my brother will be running the Spartan Forge booth. Will be helping him out there a little bit on the fifth. And uh, so, yeah, if you're in Harrisburg at the Great American Outdoor Show, would love to be able to to meet you and get the chat. And lastly, uh, the Mountain Buck Scouting Camp 2024, which is being held March 23rd and 24th. I am recording this out a little ways, but there are a few general mission spots left. So if you've been thinking about going to uh, check out the event, then uh, head over to eastmeetswesthunt.com and click on events and you can check out all of the details there and uh, be able to pick up a few tickets if you're interested in going. But if you have any questions about that, shoot me an email and uh, I'd love to be able to help you answer them. With that said, I think that uh, we'll get into this podcast here with Thomas, and I really think that this is, like I said, a powerful conversation, and uh, I really appreciate everybody listening and all the support, and as always, if you do like the show and you do find this helpful, really appreciate you sharing it with your friends, your family, anyone you think it would be valuable to, to listen to it, and leave a rating and review, I really appreciate each and every one of you. So I hope that you have a great rest of your week and uh we will talk to you next week. There we go. There it is. That's the kickoff. <laughs> Thomas Clements, welcome back to the podcast, buddy. Well, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's been uh it's been a little over a year. You were on yeah. you were on the show when the Seek One boys were up and you were doing some uh magical camera work.
1: Yeah. Learning, learning how the people hunt up here in PA.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, little bit different. It's cool though, super cool. Yeah, no, it's it. Uh, it was it was fun to to bring all of you guys up here to to see Lee and Drew and yourself and mm-hmm. and just get to kind of experience something a little bit different. Is it is it quite a bit different from Georgia where you grew up?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say. Th- Honestly, the culture, like the hunting culture is pretty similar, if not bigger up here, Mm -hmm. you know. um, But the style of hunting is a lot different. It's a lot bigger timber. We hunt a lot of pastures back home. Cow pastures are big, at least where I'm from. Yeah. And down south, it's a ton of, it's all pasture ground. But the big timber stuff is is a lot harder to figure out. I'm learning, you know, just because there's so much more room and, and Places for the deer to go, and you got to know terrain a lot more. So it's there's a lot more to it up here, I think.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely different. But one thing that that I admire, I'm sure, like with all the pastures, mm. turkey hunting, that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, it it definitely used to be. There's there's really Georgia's hurting for turkeys all real bad now, and so you don't see that many in the cow pastures, oh, not no. like they used to. But yeah. It is where you get to hunt a lot of them, but
0: yeah, there was uh there was some ground that that I hunted when I was younger that had a cow pasture on it, and I remember killing a bird out of it. it wasn't I didn't shoot him in the cow pasture. It he we saw him out there It was right around noon, and mm-hmm. that and it was on Memorial Day, so it was super late, and it was like I, I don't know if that was the last day of our season or the day before last day sometime something around there but anyways i had um i was with my dad mm-hmm. and i think i was home from college or something and and saw which way the turkey was heading so we went to the timber and ran down to the other side and set up and just yeah, a little bit of, of calling thing. and he came in and re- real nice and close but that's what i remember from from hunting some pasture ground but sounds like there's quite a bit of it
1: yeah yeah there is i mean there's definitely like a lot of the public land, the the majority of it's timber. So I, the the one bird I have killed on on public land was he was an, in timber for the most part. And they have they have little cutout food plots from that the management will do and stuff like that. And that's where he was. But no, I'd say it's a big well. If you go up north, like the northern part of the states, all timber mm-hmm. with small cattle farms and dairies mixed in, but. There's a lot, there's a bunch of turkeys up in them hills, but, and the deer hunting's probably more similar to this up there, which I haven't done any of that, so. Well,
0: yeah, I've heard that with both Alabama and Georgia, Mm -hmm. that especially some of the northern parts of the states are very similar to what it looks like here in Pennsylvania and other parts of kind of the Appalachian Mountains. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, do you say, do you say Appalachian or Appalachian? Appalachian. Oh, you do? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We're on the same team. Yeah. I don't say Appalachian. Uh, Yeah. Appalachian. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Appalachian. Yeah. 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 The Timber Ninja guys give me a hard time for that every time. They're like, you're saying it wrong. It's like it's Appalachian. I'm like, no, it's Appalachian. That's Appalachian. Sound it out. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it looks like to me. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so Thomas, uh, you've been hanging out with me here for the last three days now. I guess. Yeah. So. Thomas, is. how would you describe what your, I guess, job title or business is? How would you describe it? Because you, you do a lot of things in the production realm.
1: Yeah, I mean, just uh, freelance creative at this point. I mean, I have my own production company, but you know, the, from the film producing, whether it's TV shows or YouTube shows or the commercial work too, and then the the photo
0: side of it so it's just kind of a hodgepodge of it all yeah and and also now getting into voice stuff too as Mm -hmm. we talked about it a year ago when i originally started planning it but now we're going to make it happen where there'll be a new intro to the podcast Mm -hmm. and it's going to be thomas's voice because you have the voice of an angel (laughs) man i didn't know how
1: to say that in a yeah no straight way but i enjoy it like it's i don't know it's cool like i grew up I grew up around a ton of farmers because that's what my dad was in and and listening to the way they talked and stuff. And we we watched a bunch of westerns growing up too. And so like John Wayne was my favorite and, you know, Bonanza. And you listen to all the – All Bonanza. Yeah, Bonanza was a good one. Yeah. So I don't know. It was just something – it was just cool. And I wanted to be like them. So doing the voice stuff is – you get to add a little a little more stuff to videos sometimes it's a little corny, sometimes it's cool and it fits, and you just figure it out but
0: yeah no i th- i think that's I think that's really cool and and uh man, I should have had you do the intro to this one i oh, me- yeah, i no. mess- I messed it up I don't know if I could do it on the spot though i got be... you did, you did it you did it on the, the one with yeah. with Lee and drew and those guys but uh, no, I think that's a, a really cool aspect of it. So Thomas has been out here doing some work for CVA mm-hmm. and doing some product stuff, some videos, some different things uh, along those lines. So there'll be some new some new stuff coming out from them that, that I got to test this year and, mm-hmm. and be able to, to utilize. So I'm not sure. I think it'll be out by the time this comes out, but I don't want to say it yeah. in case, but uh, you can go over to CVA's website and check that out, and I'm sure I'll... Um, with the, the podcast ad, I'll update that for whenever that that new stuff drops. But, anyways, it, it's it's been pretty cool to see how you work and kind of your flow and the creative aspect of of making mm-hmm. making high production. You know, whether it's commercials or just you know doing some tip, you know, following me around scouting, doing some videos along that line, and how to. Everyone that I've worked with has like a different way of how they think about it and how their eye sees things and it's pretty Mm -hmm. it's pretty neat to see yeah i mean i i haven't
1: had like i've shot around several people but i'd I'd have to agree like everybody's got a different way like when i first started doing it you kind of think there's just there's one way to do things and it's the right way and so you try to study everybody and learn on youtube and stuff like that and you kind of figure out that the guys who are really good at it and have the best eye that just it's really just a hodgepodge of things. Like they just kind of wing it most of the time and let their eye tell them what to do. And they're not like, I don't know. There's it's the same way with any kind of business. There's, there's not one way to do it. There's not an exact rule. Yeah. There's a million ways to do the skin of cat. So it's, it's kind of that same way. And you just kind of figure out what works and what you like. And you you get an eye for it sometimes. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it, you got to kind of correct things, but
0: yeah, I think so. I thought about this the other day about as far as like from you can learn skills on a camera and you can learn like how to operate the camera differently, adjust yeah. lighting and do that. But like, as far as that creative eye for whether it's taking photos or videos and or having an idea how a clip is going to pull together, I think it's half just a person and their their ability mm-hmm. and their trained, you know, as far as how they how do I want to put this? Just kind of what they were born with. Mm. And then part of it, I think you can, you know, whether it's inspiration from other people or learning to be able to kind of grow that creative mind of it. So I I think it's kind of a combination because I do believe you can learn just about anything, but there's also, you know, if you look at athletes, there's naturally athletic people that have a little bit of a head start with it. And I I feel like you have that creative eye already so that that helped with mm. uh the way that you're that you do your business and and roll things out. No, I appreciate
1: that. It it means a lot when people enjoy your work. And I think I think it's important like if you want to be and if you want to make art whether it's painting or whether it's video, whether it's music, whatever. I think it's important to make it for you first because it needs to be like you need to be proud of it regardless if anyone likes it or not but obviously it reinforces that you're that you've got something good when people do appreciate it and do like it and it you know when you're doing it for a business then you have to be aware like it has to it has to do well for people for it to be valuable to brands to shows excuse me but the uh, man up beer has got some uh, fizz in it, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's. I do think there's some natural to it, but you, anybody can learn how to run a camera, and it doesn't. Like I think there's a big stigma about like, oh, I'm not good with electronics, or I'm not good with buttons. Well, I'm not either, and I'm not a tech savvy guy. I don't. I don't get in the weeds on learn. I just learn what I need to know to get it done. Yeah, and as far as filming hunting and stuff like that, like if you just take the short amount of time and actually study it, like YouTube will teach you anything you need to know and make it pretty easy to film stuff. But you know, if you want to stick with it, there's, there's a, you got to love the art side of it Yeah, and be looking for that. So,
0: yeah. And, and, and exactly what you said though, like there are so many resources out there now. I mean, even like there is with hunting with, with, being able to fix your dryer like you know Mm -hmm. anything that you want to learn is available really on the internet but you have to apply yourself to be able to do it and gain those repetitions to to be able to do that and we were talking about it so at while thomas is here he he came in so he's coming from georgia Mm. you got you got well you were on a different shoot in missouri but he came from there and we got a big snowstorm so Mm -hmm. he got delayed a little bit and then it's been extremely, extremely cold, and, yeah. and we were talking about, you know, you still had your cameras clipped onto the outside of your pack, give you those peak design clips. If no one has seen those, they're pretty cool, or they mm-hmm. clip right onto your pack They keep them secure. One little button, you can pop them out, but keeping your camera on you in a way that you can grab it and shoot something quickly mm-hmm. is, you know, you were you, we were talking about it as far as if your camera's in your pack, it's not doing you any good. Yeah. And then, like, you almost got to force yourself. Like, if you want to, it's
1: like learning any skill. If you want to learn it, you got to force yourself to do it because it's the repetition, like you said. Yeah. Whether it's hunting, whether it's scouting, whether it's working on a truck, you got to just do it over and over again. And then it becomes muscle memory and it becomes habit. And that's why, like, having, the, you just have to, every time you go out, you got to take the camera with you or you got to keep shooting something. If you have an idea, even if you're not getting paid for it, you got to shoot it. You got to edit it. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost is the editing part of it because it's it's hard. Yeah. You know, it's hard to sit at a computer and try to figure things out, and the softwares don't exactly teach you how to do it. And you got to flip back and forth between YouTube and forums and getting on the phone with people and trying to figure out, you know, why this doesn't work or whatever. But the editing side is what makes it where you can think out a storyline because the more you edit, the more you understand how things have to go to tell the story the way it needs to be told. So then when you go into a shoot and you say, Okay, we wanna say we wanna do a shoot about a pair of binos that helps you scout or that are that are that are being released and we wanna do a video on scouting, you know. Well then you start running through the the ideas of like, okay, well, you know, how are we going to use these tight shots and then what is in the sequence and then how is the music going to play in the background and what kind of dialogue do we want to have to go with it and it all just kind of crashes together in your head but somehow it makes sense when you start thinking it out and you just take it one shot at a time and a lot of times if you just get like four or five shots lined up you get in the middle of those and then you'll get another one coming in an idea and it just kind of feeds off each other, and, and I don't know. It just that's what we were doing the last three days, and yeah, I, yeah, I had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, no, it was fun bouncing ideas back and forth, and and kind of working through that stuff. And and that was something that I feel like I've been doing it for a while now, but not not as much from the commercial side as far as like you know CVAs using this stuff for mm-hmm. some of their advertising. A lot of the stuff I was doing before was you know either from my own stuff. Or to help a you know help a company that would be a sponsor or anything yeah. of the show, but it wasn 't for them to use commercially mm-hmm. and that's a that's a different level, and it adds some stress to it too, because yeah. you know your whatever your work is is representing this brand mm-hmm. and how they're doing it, and making sure that that is that story of whatever that whether it's a i don 't know if the word commercial's right, but like that video or that piece of content is telling the story that you want it to tell in an authentic way. Mm-hmm. And as you as a viewer or a listener is understanding what is trying to be told there without sometimes being said just through that, that picture. Yeah. And that's, what's cool
1: about this one. Well, the best thing was like, you've been in it and you have a creative eye and ear yourself. And like you consume, you're immersed in all of this mm-hmm. and you're ate up with honey. So when you're shooting with somebody who, not only is ate up with it and loves to consume information and knowledge about all of it, then it kind of like, okay, from a creative standpoint, we'll have an idea. And then I would ask you like, okay, how does this, how would you naturally do this? How would this play out in your mind and what you do? And then we can kind of bounce ideas off each other and then find something that's realistic, but also super cool to watch. And it would play out really well and evoke the emotion that you want and help build the brand and that was really cool with the project, of the CVA was, you know, they were like, we have this brand plan and this is what we're trying to build. And we want people to relate to us and we want people to build trust in what we have and who we are. And it's kind of, they trusted you because you have a similar brand and you align in the values and all that. And it was kind of like, okay, well, let's just mash the two together and create something that puts people in the same emotional state of like getting ready for hunt season and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it it, it was kind of cool just to see where it went with not a ton of planning.
0: Yeah. And, and, and on that point, like when I'm, you think if someone's on the outside, whether you're listening or you're watching this, you think like, okay, these shows and whether it's a YouTube show or a podcast or whatever, it's like, oh, they're just going to, you know, they just take sponsors on whoever's going to pay. But, when you the way that I feel like both you and I work, and and it sounds like with even like when you're taking client work and you want to work with a, a specific company, the way that they align with you as a, as a person or mm-hmm. as your business is super important to me. Like and and CVA was one of those companies that from talking to them right away was like mm-hmm. this fits. And like yeah. when you know tell when I was talking with them on the phone about like how much. Deer camp means to me in that aspect of it, and seeing them like light up and be like, "That's exactly what you know we're looking yeah. for," and that's what you know well, we agree with the same things. And it was like, man, that that's something that lines up. Now, obviously, the product's got to be good too to be able to line up. Yeah, but the the brand and where who they are is just as important, if not more, at times. Yeah,
1: no, I'd have to agree hundred percent, and that's what makes it a good partnership.
0: Yeah, yeah, most definitely, but it's. It's been cool to see that, and when when you were saying about like how we were brainstorming back and forth, I don't know if if you knew this, Thomas, but in in a past life or I guess when I was younger, I should just say that I was super into drawing. Really? So I there's some pictures at camp. I don't know if you saw them drawn on the walls. I saw the buck, the wrong Polo buck. buck. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. the um most controversial buck ever, like this wide. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so like when I. I used to draw pictures out of magazines. Mm -hmm. My grandpa would have North American whitetail. My grandpa could draw, and that's how I learned from him. And I'd go over there and draw, which ended up turning into wood carving. Mm -hmm. He carved a bunch of gun cabinets and clocks and mirrors and all this stuff. And and I got into doing that in college, and and that was how I'd make some extra money, is I'd build gun cabinets and carve all of the, the front doors and build elk scenes and, like, deer and all this different stuff and then i would sell it for cash and make money by doing that and i haven't done it in years because honestly it was one of those things that i love doing but when i realized when i was doing it for work i didn't love it yeah and uh so i just kind of stopped doing it i still draw every once in a while and like the deer camp logo that's on my hat i drew that and then jordan riley turned it into what it is as a logo but yeah. like i drew the initial concept up of like what our deer camp's like when someone pulls in with with a, a buck in the back of the truck to tailgate down yeah. the camp sitting there in the front porch and like that's how that that's all, too cool all... yeah i didn't know that at all mm-hmm. so like i've always had like a little bit of that creative side and, and back when i used to do um um when I used to be big into riding BMX and stuff, I used to, I had a camera and I'd film it all and I'd make DVDs of, of me and my buddies and stuff. And so I I got into it in in early age, as far as like really loving that Mm -hmm. side of things. And, and that, you know, kind of progressed from the, in the, the hunting side and the hunting side was just that, you know, I've done it my whole life and the, the, the doing the, The scouting videos and all that stuff really it turned it was more of me learning how to talk with a camera and how to explain things in a way that people could understand of what i was trying to say or Mm -hmm. do but the actual doing of the thing wasn't hard for me because it's just what i do all the time you know so it just made sense have you ever wanted to have levi morgan andy may johnny stewart and others available at all times All you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery, mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20% and if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. and I've been using the Acura series, but they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com/slash CVA. If you use the code East Meets West 10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Shoot, yeah.
1: No, that totally makes sense. And it makes a little more sense now to me because, you know, sometimes you'll shoot with people and they ain't got an Archie bone in them. Yeah. And then and there's nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't, those wheels aren't, those wires aren't connected, but it did for you. And like when I would say, this is what I kind of see the shot list doing, and you'd kind of add on to it, or you'd have a shot idea of your own. And it, nine times out of 10, it lined up. And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And so that's what made it a lot of fun shooting wise. Yeah. And you got to give your own two cents, and we just kind of did it together, which was a lot of fun for me.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, like I said, I it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of work doing mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Like the the filming part of it is not I mean, that's that's a a big part of it, but the planning aspect yeah. is is underrated from It is. the standpoint how many we spent hours in the yeah, kitchen. Yeah, I mean, I'd
1: say it was I don't know, 40-60. Yeah. planning, you know, just trying to figure out how the concept should look, like, you know, what What are people going to relate to? You know, is this going to be corny or is this going to have the right vibe? Is this something that's natural too? Like, is this in your wheelhouse? Is this things that actually happen and that we do? And does it make sense for the project? It takes a lot of time and it's, you were very much right about it and have more experience in even planning podcasts and planning the, the articles that you used to write and stuff like that. Like, it's just, that's a lot of the work that never gets seen yeah and even me you know in, in my short time doing this the last three years it's been a huge learning curve just
0: seeing all that behind the scenes work too yeah yeah and and that's where it comes down to what you said earlier you got to love it and want to do it mm-hmm. because it's it is a lot of work and it you know it's it seems as if it's like you know i feel like every kid growing up that loves to hunt is like i want to film hunts for a living yeah there's a lot more to it than yeah. than just that.
1: It's a, like, you know, or or even not even filming, but just, you know, even doing what you do. Like you have to go out all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's gets monotonous and like you really got to love it. Yeah. And you got to love telling people about it. You know, that's a whole other that's a whole <laughs> nother ball game. Not just doing it, you got to tell people about it. You got to capture it, self filming is horribly hard and frustrating i hate it yeah no it'll ruin some hunts yeah and yeah it's a, i don't know man it's and some people like how how do you film and you don't ever get to shoot you know and i'm like it that doesn't bother me like i just like being there yeah and like you you just you get to be a part of it you're watching their back you know a lot of times you're on the back of the tree or you're behind there over their shoulder and i'm watching through the monitor but i'm also like if there's a doe they don't see You know, if there's a cow elk coming around the corner, they don't see and stuff like that. Like you,
0: you're there too, and that's what gets me going. Yeah. So, Thomas, if you had to like, if someone, you know, and I know there's a lot of people that are, but if you had to speak to somebody that was interested in like what you do and what and how you do it, like what what is something that that you see that people either look at it the wrong way or have the wrong perspective, and what piece of advice could you give to them that to help them want to do that?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, it's, I think there's a, like a, a pie in the sky or it's all roses and sunshine. Look outlook on it. Sometimes of like, Oh, you get to travel for a living and you know, people pay you to come hunting with them. And all you gotta do is carry a camera. And that's like, you. There's a lot more to it than that. And, you, you know, I, you spend a ton of time, countless hours on a computer editing and that is monotonous and boring and people, you know... I I had a horrible time in high school sitting still, still in college. It was... I don't know how I ended up in a career that I sit at a computer for a substantial amount of time. <laughs> but I, I like it. I like the, the building part of, of editing. But I think there's... There's also, to say there's a pie in the sky and that it, it's kind of over-glorified by some people, but for those that want to get into it, there's also, it's not a huge barrier to entry if you're willing to put in the work. Like, mm-hmm. there's literally everything that I've learned has either come from YouTube or from other people. Like, I didn't go to school for it. You know, I didn't really know I wanted to do it till I got out of college, and you, know, you can learn, you can fast track the learning if you're willing to pay or have the money to pay for classes. But if not, literally everything that you could ever want to learn is on YouTube. And if you want to fast track it, you learn the basics on YouTube and then you find a mentor, somebody who's above where you want to be and or near above where you are currently and then just work for them and figure it out. Yeah. And that was that's what fast tracked a lot of my stuff was just working around people that were way ahead of me for less money, but enough to pay my bills and, and, you know, free at times doing work for free. But there's plenty of work to be done and yeah. there's, there's actually a, a big shortage of people who can edit and shoot. So if you want to stand out and you want a a spot at the table, you know, figure out how to edit, you yeah. make yourself very valuable.
0: Yeah, that's the less sexy part Mm -hmm. of of doing it. But one thing I've noticed, like with you, is I saw it. Well, I saw it when you were up here in in PA with with Seek One and and doing that, and I saw it when we were down in Alabama Mm -hmm. um, when we were doing the long range hunting course down there, and then I saw it here. You know, last night I'm like, hey, Thomas, I'm gonna go to bed. You're still on your computer mm. going through, making sure you had the assets, the photos that you thought you had, you know, making sure that everything was done right in case something had to be redone mm. and all these different things. Like there's, there's that part of it that's not, not normally seen. And, and, and I don't think you're trying to, and I'm not trying to, to say like, it's, it's terrible. Cause it's not, obviously we love, you know, yeah. doing the things that we do, but it, it needs to be, it can't be just over like, uh, glamorous or however you want to you know Mm. making it look like it's this you know just beautiful thing all the time because it it's you know it does when it comes down to it it is a job and there are things that need to be done and need to be done in a certain way
1: yeah and i think i mean i think you need to go into it with a realistic outlook of like it is work and you want to love what you're doing but you also need to take it very seriously because it's like there's there's shots you know you can't mess it up and you can't bump deer. And that's that's one thing people don't understand too is like you might be being paid to be there, but you best not ruin that hunt. Yeah. You know, just be a fly on the wall, be there but don't be there type deal. And you got to be a real good people person too cuz you're going to you're going to run into all different kinds of people all over the country and or world even. And you got to learn how to get along with all different kinds of people. Because one thing I learned early on, one of, one of my good buddies told me is like, you don't have to be the best shooter in the world, but if you're fun to be around, and you're good, and you clean up after yourself, and you carry your own weight and then some, you'll get called back. Yeah, there's people like they'll get by with a mediocre camera guy, and even editor, if you're hardworking and just good to be around. Because yeah, it's like creative people we can be weird, you know, <laughs> just plain and simple and. So, having those people skills too, and, and you got to, that's part of your upbringing, you know, your family and your mom and dad teach you how to have manners and stuff like that. But it's, it's, a, it's, you got to really love it and enjoy it. And it's fun. What makes it the most fun for me is just the people that I get to meet. It's like coming out and hanging out with you. Like, we did work really hard on this shoot, but we also just hung out, you know, and and got to do some fun things when we weren't shooting. And we jive because we have the same values and the same interests and stuff like that. And that's what those relationships and that you get to build and
0: stuff like that. That that does it for me. Yeah, you got to spend a couple hours over there with my dad last night. That was cool. And yeah, he 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 was smiling year to year, telling oh, yeah. stories and showing you sheds and going through and. I did something else. Yeah. He's a mountain man for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh it's super cool and, and to like you said, like before I got into this I would you know, who would have thought that I'd be, you know, hanging out, having a couple beers and, and talking with, you know, a guy from Georgia. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like being in a small town and growing up, it's just like that's yeah. that's another world, you know, that's a whole different world where now that world has become smaller mm-hmm. in a way for for me with these opportunities. Yeah.
1: And that's, that's something super cool that I've, that, you know, just a part of being in the media world, not even necessarily whether it's cameras or editing or music or, but podcasting, it's like you literally are telling stories and, and getting to hear stories. Like it, it made my whole trip getting to sit down there with your dad for two hours because you can just hear and feel the joy of every story he tells and every shed that he picked up out of the thousand of them that were down in that basement, every single one of them that he picked up, he could tell you where, how many times he had this buck on camera, how many times he saw it on the hoof, yeah. how many times it boogered him, yeah. you know. And then you know, it's just cool, you know. And then that's what I think we get—we get caught up in in the quickness of of consumption and and media and and it's it's bad for me like i have to i have to remove myself from stuff because it it robs me of a lot of joy of a lot of focus and and the woods is, is such a a place of presence like you got to be there and like and your dad is he don't have social media he don't have you know he's removed from all that and you hear the joy that he gets from all of those encounters and it's like that that is what it is yeah. If you just bottle that up and give it to everybody, everybody would leave their phone at home every time they went in the woods. You know, it's like he went hunting the last day of the season today, and he's hunting a big buck. He didn't even text us the whole yeah. time. We're sitting here waiting for updates, <laughs> yeah. and he don't even care. He's there. Yeah. You know, that that's what's cool to me.
0: Yeah, I had to text him yeah, an hour and a half to after him. dark and make sure, <laughs> hey, one, he got the back, Yeah, and two, I'm like, well. Yeah. <laughs> rito oh. <laughs> But uh yeah, no, he's he's definitely ate up with it and mm-hmm. and yeah, this this is the the you know, first year in a long time that you know that first time I can ever remember actually that, you know, he didn't shoot a Pennsylvania buck and yeah. uh and I know that was eating at him, but man, he went until literally yeah, it wasn't the bell lack rang. Of effort. No. No. He went literally till the bell rang and out there when it's you know single digit temperatures with the flintlock that may or may May not go
1: off (laughs) or if it does go off it might take a few seconds to go off yeah
0: yeah that's exactly right and uh um but anyways you know talking about that with uh you know the consumption aspect of it you know you and i had some lengthy conversations on this both being in the in the media world and seeing you know we are you know we are a part of producing hunting content that people consume Mm -hmm. but there's uh there's this this thing that goes back and forth and we both in our in our minds of like you know how good is that to to do that and i and i and we both agree there it's a very good thing of having media not really i guess talking poorly on that aspect of it but how you portray those things and what we are putting out and how people are consuming it and what eyeballs are on them is super important and you gotta constantly think about that and it's and and sometimes there's not really easy answers to it and sometimes there's not an answer that i can come up with that you can come up with and but i think it's important to have that discussion and and think about those things
1: yeah no i mean i i agree a hundred percent it's it's a it's glamorous from the outside looking in of like, oh, you create podcasts around hunting for a living. You know, you make videos about hunting for a living. You take photos of hunting for a living. And it's like, yeah, that small, tiny portion of what we do for work is very cool. But it's also a huge responsibility. And some people aren't even aware that it is a responsibility. And it's not, not dogging on anybody, but... Our, our, um, awareness of, especially now media is worldwide and people who love hunting, people who hate hunting and people who don't know anything about hunting, they all have access to our worlds now and media is here. It's not going away. And so there's, you can't sit on the sidelines and say, well, we just can't shoot anything about nothing because that is just not, it's not realistic. You know, people want to tell stories and they they won't, and it should be, but I think you hit it on the head of like, it's, there's not always a right or wrong answer on how to portray something or how to go about something. But when you carry yourself with knowing that it is your responsibility to be the ambassador for the resource, the animals, the land, the rights to hunt and the way you hunt like that and how we portray it. That's what keeps those things alive. It keeps the resource there. It keeps the freedoms to hunt there. And it passes it on to the next generation on how to carry yourself in the woods, how to respect the animals, how to hunt ethically and morally. Like there's ways to kill animals that isn't hunting. It's just killing. And it's, you know, being authentic and showing things as they happen is sometimes hard to do because there are gruesome things that happen in hunting that are bittersweet. You know, we don't love to see it either, but it is what happens, and so you know, it's it's a, it's a hard road to hoe, so yeah. to speak.
0: You know, yeah, no, and and like it's it that one of the things like that I struggle with is okay showing the the bad parts of hunting or the, Mm -hmm. the less, you know, the parts that nobody wants to have, say wounding an animal, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something that, that happens. And I, and I do anything that's happened. I talk about it on the podcast Mm -hmm. because I do believe that there are lessons to be learned from that. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, people can learn from my mistakes. They can understand it. I'm a human, you know, everyone makes mistakes, that kind of stuff happens, but you got to watch, by, you know, being honest about that and sharing it in a world like social media, like Instagram that doesn't, you know, this podcast, I'd say probably 99.9% of the people are listening are hunters Yeah, so that, you know, they can, they get it already. They're ready kind of on our side from that perspective. But when you look at a, um, social media realm, you're, you don't know who's going to get eyeballs on it, especially if a public profile and, anybody can find that video and somehow it hits that explore page on Instagram and yep. anyone can see it and it and if that story's not told right in that or sometimes you might even have it written out in the caption but that photo tells a different yep. gives that you know whatever it, it creates a reaction in somebody in a matter of seconds that they're 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 ready fuming they're oh, not yeah. looking at the rest of what's there and and the thing is like you can't and it's, this isn't like saying you no know, shouldn't apologize at all for being a hunter. It's being aware of what you're doing. And this, and this is definitely magnified on people like us, someone like me, that's, you know, in front of the camera on, you know, being out there in front of a lot more eyeballs than say the normal person that hunts. But even the normal person that hunts the regular, you know, Joe, that has nothing to do with the hunting industry per se needs to be aware of that. Yep. You know no there's there's when you're posting on social media and like I'm a huge fan of trapping, and I believe there's a a huge purpose for it and i'm mm-hmm. a, I'm a huge fan of it, but sometimes the way people show that isn't helping the situation like if we want to say like yeah, you know is it our god given right to be able to do these things, yeah, it should be, but there's there's a <laughs> The way things are, you know, now Mm -hmm. that's that's not really the case. And as far as that stuff can be taken away, we're seeing that in states like Colorado and Washington and Oregon and New Mm -hmm. Jersey and all these places that are are chipping away. And I think, you know, we're not helping ourselves. And I'm not trying to make this seem doom and gloom, but I think we we have an opportunity to to self regulate ourselves and how we are sharing things and how we are doing that and man it's it's something that that I constantly think about and I've made mistakes for it before like yeah. there was a a video that I had posted um last year or 2 years ago where Kurt had shot a turkey um in Montana at like 65 yards it was a long shot and you know, posted the video of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people jumped on us of like, that's yeah. not ethical to do that and blah, blah, blah. And, and and maybe, you know, and maybe it needs to be thought about. But at the same time, I didn't know. And in that 30 second clip did no justice to explain that my brother is a gunsmith. He shoots guns constantly. He knows where his gun shot, you know, like yeah. the, the, the turkey died instantly. There was no, problems with that you know it can happen at at a closer distance but nonetheless the messaging wasn't the greatest Mm -hmm. on how that was how that was put out and portrayed and that was something i overlooked and so you know i'm by saying this is not saying i don't make those mistakes but it's to think about that before you do these things and the Mm -hmm. the 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 less amount of mistakes that we can make in that is going to help us yeah Well, I'm shooting a new bow this year and I am pumped. After playing around with the buddy's Hoyt RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX Exact cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stalk just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out at, or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there.
1: No, 100%. I think the best way that you put it, the best way of just saying that it just comes down to self-regulation. And it's not doom and gloom. Like, we're all human and we're going to make mistakes, but operating with the awareness of, like, these things are not permanent. Our rights, we don't, I, mean, I don't trust the government at all. I don't, yeah. I think you can pretty much just exclude them protecting your rights to hunt a deer. So, you know, this is up to us. And so there's videos that, that, that only belong, there's videos, there's pictures, that only belong at hunting camp, you know, because the people that are in that room understand what happened there. And, you know, it's all the adrenaline, it's all the whatever. But the rest of the world doesn't necessarily need to see that. And it's not you being less of a man because you're not willing to post it on Instagram. It's you being more of a man or a woman because you're willing to say, no, I'm going to have more couth than that and i'm gonna refrain from posting these things on the internet because i know that it probably won't but it could do damage to our image as hunters you know and that's the the whole world thinks that people just love to kill animals but in reality for the majority of them and there's exceptions but for the majority of hunters nobody loves animals more than we do And like you guys self-regulate up here for years when the doe populations were low, like you guys would only shoot one doe in an area a year Mm -hmm. because not because you didn't have the opportunity to shoot more, but because you knew that, Hey, this is on us. We're not being told by the state. This is us. And it's no different when it comes to social media and even sending stuff to your friends. You know, you and I grew up in a world where our grandpas and our dads taught us how to hunt, you know, and and when I was growing up, like, you weren't allowed to kill an animal unless you were going to eat it kind of thing. And and it was just those simple things that just taught you, like, life and death is, is normal. That's life. And it's supposed to be that way. And we have stewardship over these animals. But it's a huge responsibility. Like, we get so passionate about chasing these animals, and we love them so much. But it's also a huge responsibility to take care of them, too. And if we want the rights to hunt them and if we want the ability to take care of them the way they should be, because we've seen in states like Oregon and California, when when you take away that hunting, you watch in the next few years, the animals are going to suffer because they're not being looked after and the money's not there to, to manage them and and there's going to be unnecessary disease and stuff like that. And it just, it just snowballs. And it, it just, like you said, there's no right or wrong, yes or no answer all the time. Sometimes it just takes some perspective of just thinking through things before we, and how we present things
0: because the whole world is open to what we do now. Yeah. And yeah, and that's, that was, I mean, for me, one of the biggest eye openers coming from a small town where everybody hunted, Mm -hmm. you know, that it was normal that, you know, if I killed a buck. I'd be going in with my pictures I'd mm-hmm. have them printed out and I'd be taking them in my backpack probably carrying them in my hand you know showing people and showing my teachers like everybody was on the same yeah. page but I was in that echo chamber I didn't mm-hmm. know what else is out there and and you can think like oh well the other people don't matter but but they do the mm-hmm. problem is we are the minority yeah. in in the world at this point and and I think that, you know, we have to be very cognizant of that and what we are doing and what we are sharing. And, and again, that's not apologizing for what we do. It's just trying to be cognizant of it. you're never going to change the mind of an anti-hunter. That's not what the goal is here. Mm-hmm. But there is a, just a ridiculous amount of people that fall in that middle mm-hmm. that can be swayed in our direction when we need that vote yeah. or, or want you know to to be able to sway things one way or another those are the people that we really want to you know cater to cater to and and have them understand it and be able to see and it's not that we want to make all those people hunters yeah but we want them to be able to understand it yeah and and you know say oh i understand why they do that and i've had conversations with people i've been in cities i've been in bars and places like that and and they ask me, oh, mm-hmm. what do you do for a living? Well, this is going to yeah. be a minute. You know, we're going to have to <laughs> – yeah. or where are you heading? And I'm like, oh, I'm actually on my way to Montana to go on a bear hunt. Well, that's that takes a little bit more yeah. explanation than that. And normally you have that conversation face-to-face, and you can get to a pretty good place of yeah. being able to explain that versus a picture just showing up, um, you know, of a, a dead bear with blood all over the ground and whatever and and hooting and hollering, again we understand yeah. what that is, but there there's there's more to that that others don't understand from from seeing that.
1: Yep, a hundred percent. I mean, like seeing a seeing a picture of an animal with an arrow sticking out of it, and there's blood everywhere, and everybody's high fiving Like we know, for the most part, and many most times, you know, months of work went into killing that animal per se, and, and hours of, of stalking and, and failed attempts and whatnot. like More effort than the average person who doesn't hunt would be willing to do anything to acquire food, much less, you know, whatever. And But a picture doesn't show that. And even your description on the bottom of the picture, like you said, all it takes is the picture or the video, and it evokes the emotion regardless of how you explain the situation. So it's just... A lot of times just taking the time to step back and say, hey, does this respect the animal and does this respect our traditions as hunters, like as a whole, who we are? Does this portray us in a good light? That's all it takes, you know, and carrying yourselves at a higher, at a higher level than maybe is necessary so that you're teaching the next generation how to how to respect animals and how to portray things because the most part, a lot of people just don't know any better because they don't have anybody to tell nothing, and they see videos that go viral on the the internet, and it's you know we're shooting
0: ourselves in the foot there. Yeah. So yeah, no, you're exactly right, and there and and you know even from the example of you know talking about protecting the resource, so even going past the the photos and mm-hmm. the videos, another thing we were having conversation with. You know, over coffee, and then a few beers later at night was, you know, I struggle with the aspect. I love education. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be, wouldn't have the opportunities to go hunt where I hunt if I didn't learn that from somebody else that was willing to put that information out there. Yeah, and that's I'm very passionate about doing that. But I also go back and forth sometimes on like what is too much, where, I, you know, that I would could potentially ruin that resource for mm-hmm. people in the future. And there's a lot of things that are, you know, in in quotation, you know, pieces of content that I would like to create because I think it would be helpful for people. But then I look, and the negatives outweigh the positives, and yeah. I don't do it. Yeah. And I don't put it out there, and that's why you never like. I get I I hate when people always ask, "Oh, what part of the state are you hunting?" Where, yeah. I'm not going to answer those questions. Yeah. It's not to be rude. It's because. One i don't want to ruin my own experience, but even from a bigger standpoint I don't want to blow up anybody else's yeah. spots or ruin that you know for somebody else and and reduce the the experience that somebody could have in that yeah. in that space you know for example, I was telling you some of the old scouting videos that I used to do on YouTube I used to just pick a random place of public land mm-hmm. and do the the video to give an idea it wasn't a place i'd went to or anything it was just that was an example mm-hmm. and i thought because it wasn't my spot that you know it wouldn't be a big deal not thinking and you now think saying it out loud it's like yeah bo yeah but like in the that moment is, that it's somebody else's place that i'm highlighting and mm-hmm. showing that and it's like so now you know i try to find places that are private land that look similar to what i'm look that what i'm talking about so i can still do the education part, but there's not a chance of, you know, affecting someone's land or Mm -hmm. a place that they have in their experience to be able to enjoy the resources. And that's, that's part of, you know, me learning through it and trying to, trying to figure out where that line is. And I, and I really don't think there's a, there's a rule book for it. It's kind Mm -hmm. of what you said of taking a step back and thinking about it. And a lot of times your gut kind of tells you, yeah what's right or wrong with that no 100 percent,
1: and it's something i've struggled with a lot like as a like i may not be the talent or whatever that's on film but i'm right there with it and like my hands are helping create and tell these stories and so i want to be able to hang my hat on what's being told you know and 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 what it's encouraging throughout the hunting industry and, and and hunters as a whole and like you said, like we have to be patient with ourselves to a degree because we are human and we don't know. There's no rule book on what to do and not do, as media becomes more and more prevalent and hunting becomes more popular. You, there's no you're going to make mistakes and there's things that are going to happen, and that's what I don't like. On the the internet will just torch you and burn your house down if you make one mistake with no context to who you are as a person. And that's just the keyboard warriors and there's not much you can do to it, but it does punch you in the gut when that happens. Yeah. But I think you're right of, it's just carrying yourself of just stepping back and, and wanting to say, you know, I'm going to do what's best for the resource. And that's just, When it comes to, you know, if you're going to hunt public land, even if you're hunting states, you know, if you draw attention to certain things you have to understand, there's always going to be consequences to it, you know, and it's not good or bad. That's just the way life is. And even back in the day when they wrote articles about things and it was all magazines, there was no video. There was none of that. There were people up in arms about people writing articles about it because nobody ever knew that you could hunt in this state or that state and that there were deer there or whatever so it's it's been around and will always be around, but I think it's how we carry ourselves in what we're doing that protects the resource and teaches people to carry themselves in the right way, and the respect of the resource is the most important thing, and whether it's public land or private land it's that I think would weather longer than even if you know you make a mistake or you don't know how to do something. That's going to fix it. And your gut, like you said, is going to teach you the right thing to yeah. do. You
0: know, exactly what you're saying about the resource. And, and, and you know, going back to the point of the unrealistic expectation that media is just going to go away and, and you can't. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't agree with that and, and some of the people that say that that's the answer because I don't think that is realistic. That's not a – would that maybe would that solve it if there was a possibility of all that you know going away maybe but it's not a possibility yeah like and and also and i think there's such a there's such a a positive that can become that can come from it Mm. and being able to be active i mean if you would have because of social media and because of podcasts and videos and people talking about how important it is to be members of conservation organizations and people that are out there fighting for it, mm-hmm. that's why I'm joined in all yeah. these organizations and spending money and donating three percent of all the apparel sales to a conservation organization every quarter. And that's I'm not sitting there, you know, you know, clapping my own hands yeah, no. here, but it's like. I wouldn't have been doing that if it wasn't for learning about that through, through media. Through media. Yeah. And and going back as far as you can think when media had started with magazines, with those things, there was always things that happened that may, you know, quote unquote, ruin an area for a time period. Yeah. Things usually come back around like that's things go in ebbs and flows. But there's always been that now it is a little bit easier you know it doesn't Mm -hmm. don't have to have a subscription to a magazine you can just go on youtube and search you know big bucks in iowa and and it's like okay now i can find a whole lot of stuff there but so i think even it's more important now to Mm -hmm. to be i i guess think about those things and understand how you're doing it and again it doesn't matter where where you're at on the level of of exposure i mean it does from the standpoint of you know obviously someone like you know the seek one guys are going to have a bigger impact mm-hmm. than you know joe Schmo, but at the same time everybody should be thinking about it yeah a hundred percent and i think i
1: think it, you're very right on the fact that it doesn't matter if you got 10 followers or twenty thousand followers like it that does the algorithm doesn't care how many followers you got mm-hmm. you know and and it doesn't matter per se if one person sees your post. You got to think about it on the aspect of you are trying to teach people how to respect animals the way they should be respected. And if you, if one person sees your your display, whether it's post, video, or, or podcast, or whatever, of your love for hunting and the way that you respect it and that kind of stuff, it's going to encourage the right behavior versus where if they see the wrong thing you know and they don't know any better that's one more person who's potentially hurting hunting as a whole because we just you know because they don't know any better not with malicious intent or anything like that and then the other thing like people don't understand like the seek one guys like it's it's cool you know a lot of people think that it's super cool to have that kind of notoriety for killing big deer But what they don't know is like that is an enormous responsibility that they carry every day with everything that they do and everywhere that they go that people are watching them like a hawk. And they got to carry themselves a notch higher because of that. Yeah. And they got to do everything to a T because of that. And
0: not everybody's cut out for that. No, and I mean, I've had... You know, I've had conversations with both Drew and Lee, but especially Lee, who is someone that does not take that lightly. And like, for anybody that doesn't know Lee and just sees him on camera, like Lee really, he knows what he's doing has an impact that could be positive or negative, depending on how that's portrayed. Mm. And I really respect him for the, how much he thinks about it to the point where it's detrimental (laughs) to mental health sometimes. Oh yeah. And, uh, but it's it's not not an easy thing for to be able to to do that, and you know at least you know talk to me about some of those hard things and thinking about it and and again, I respect the hell out of him because I think he does he has really good intentions on what he's doing mm. and how he's trying to to portray those things, but it's not not something that's that's very simple like honestly if I think in the media realm and man I hope Lee doesn't listen to this cuz I don't like to say anything positive about him to his face but <laughs> the fact that you know if there was more Lees out there we'd be in a in a in better, a better spot yeah. from a media standpoint man right. that hurt to say oh yeah i know he won't listen to it though
1: no he no no <laughs> he won't he will not no i agree man it's as a whole it's it's hard you know and, and even him he had a learning curve cuz he didn't grow up with in a hunting background so it's, I don't know, it's, and like we say all this not to be doom and gloom because you can't go through life like it's inevitable. Like you said, it's not going away. This is the world we live in. Things progress. We talked about that earlier. You can't stop progression. No. And it's better to just have the right attitude about it of like, okay, I'm going to do what I can and I'm going to rest the hat my hat on the fact that I'm going to do what I can, I'm going to make mistakes, that's okay but i'm going to do what i can to protect the resource and to protect our freedoms by behaving accordingly and trying to portray things in the right light and that's if everyone can conduct themselves that way and and we can encourage each other to do the same i think we'd be in a, in, a, in a real good
0: spot yeah and yeah again it comes down to what you said with the way you portray yourself, whether it's social media, whether it's self-regulating with Mm. tags, you know, we're talking about Turkey, Turkey tags and, and, and looking at, you know, deer, whatever. And you can't just sit there and blame the state on saying, Oh, they're not doing this. Well, you look at their management areas, they're relatively big. And are there times that they could do a better job? Of course, everybody, you know, can do a better job at things, but at the same time, you can't have the aspect, you know, I, I've seen this before and I've talked about it before, but, you know, locally it's be like, oh, why are they giving out, you know, four deer tags? There's not any out there. But some of those same people are the ones filling all four tags because they'll say, well, the next person's going to shoot them, so I might as well. That yeah. That's a, such a terrible attitude. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. And, I, and I'm very thankful that, you know, my dad taught me that growing up as far as like, yeah. you know, there's areas we just didn't shoot does because there wasn't enough that you know my dad felt like we should take any out of the population, mm-hmm. and you know we were talking about that. Him and I were talking about it. There's some areas that are getting better with population than they were before, and we're like, yeah, I'd feel it's comfortable, of, yeah. shooting does in in that area, uh, you know, again, and 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 there's there's enough of a resource that we don't feel like the impact that we're gonna have will be would be negative on yeah. that, but it takes looking at that from yourself and self-regulating you know, not just in media, you don't have to have any social media to be a helpful part yeah. in, in the future of what, of these resources.
1: Absolutely. And I've, I've come to learn from getting to know people across the country that a lot of we get real frustrated with a lot of state agencies on how things are done from the outside looking in. But a lot of these state agencies are severely underfunded and they're understaffed for how many how many acres like you said they have to cover and they have to survey for all of these things and the best thing you can do instead of griping about it to your buddy or whatever is you know donate more to to the funding for organizations that can do the wildlife studies that they need to do or you can actually contact you know state agencies and stuff like that and give your input in a constructive way of trying to... Yeah, don't 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 call them up and, and beat them over the head with In, a... And a, tell them they're a bunch of ass. Yeah, like no, that we, we, ain't try, we ain't trying to do that. That won't get nobody anywhere. But I just try to be constructive because... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. it's easy, and I'm guilty of it, too. You see things on the Internet. You see things in the woods. You know, there used to be a lot of turkeys around here, and there ain't no turkeys now. And, boy, I wish they'd dropped the limit down. And it's, well self-regulate yeah try to encourage call your state agencies try to be constructive about it like these things turkeys were extinct 30 years ago give or take i could be wrong on that number uh sometime ago not extinct yeah well they weren't extinct they were (laughs) severely close to being that way yeah you know what i mean but they were brought back because people wanted to bring them back and did something about it you know so
0: it's there's gonna be bell curves. There's gonna be ups and downs. And- yeah, and we have the power to mm-hmm. to be able to affect that, and that's that's a positive thing. You know, we do have that ability to be able to to be able to do so, and mm-hmm. that's yeah, yeah. And you think about it from that perspective. You know, that there weren't really any turkeys. Yeah. it's really not that long ago. Yeah, and you know, but again, at the same time. Look at the look at the buffalo that we had a you know a negative impact on. So we should learn from that. Yeah, um, let's not do that. Yeah, and uh, and and but yeah, there's there's definitely lots of lots of positives that can be pulled from what we're saying here. It's not a not a doom and gloom thing. It's just something that you know I think you and I both really feel passionate about and have thought a lot about and continue to think a lot about that. I realize that sometimes, like even doing this podcast. A lot of times we talk about deer hunting tactics and doing this stuff. Yep. That's sexy, and that's what we like to talk about. Yep. We all like to talk about it, but at the same time, we have the the duties to to talk about these things too. And mm-hmm. in a way that, because they are important to us, they're just not as sexy to talk about. Yeah, it's the behind the scenes stuff that nobody
1: wants to talk about or face. It's the awkward conversations with <laughs> yourself and with other people. You know, it's it's not easy to self regulate when you only get so much time off from work or when you only get so many opportunities to go out and do things, it's, it's hard. Like we're not downplaying any of that. And this is not us sitting here saying, you know, shame on you. Like we struggle with this too. Yeah. Like this is us, you know, gut checking ourselves on our, we, because every time that we produce something, we're sitting there going, is this, you know, what is this going to do? Like, is this doing good or is it doing, you know, harm? And it's, It's an everyday thing and not good or bad. It's just a life we live. And it's exciting that we have that responsibility because it makes you feel you, like you said, like we have the ability to change the way things
0: are or to protect the way things are. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting. Yeah, no, it is. And, and it's, it's crazy that, you know, we have that responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's a big one to, to be able to do so and, 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 again, one last thing I want to say back on the state agency thing. Like, I think it's super important to give your feedback and give your comments. But, again, not in just a complaining, no, no, no. bashing way. Because think about it. If I were to come up to you and say, I didn't like something you were doing with camera work. Mm. And I were to approach it with, you're an idiot. How can't you get that right? Why is your shutter speed this? Why is your white balance this? Yeah. You're an idiot. Or I could say... Hey, Andy. Maybe you think we, you know, can bump this up or give potential solutions, yeah. do something. Maybe you still might not be happy that I'd be given that feedback, but at the same time, you're going to be more receptive to hearing that versus mm. just in a because you're going to have that fight or flight response of either going to shut down and not want to talk to me, or you're going to, you know, throw something back and it, blow and, it off. Yeah. And then once emotions get involved, nothing really gets done. Yeah. You know, you can't think of things clearly. A hundred
1: percent. No, I totally agree. It's those management positions, like I th- I'm guilty of it. I definitely have taken them for granted. Like a lot of those those guys, like they, they live that life and it's not necessarily the highest paying job in the world or the most rewarding from a popularity standpoint, yeah. but, but they're in there day in and day out and they see it because they love it and they care about it. And, you know, we love to go hunt them and stuff like that. And we love it just as much as they do. But like you said, we have to be constructive about it. We can't just let our emotions get the best of us and just start, you know, griping and whining. We we got to approach things and try to try to actually find legitimate, applicable, and realistic solutions to stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes you may not know that. And that's fine to be, you know, just yeah. be aware of your approach and how you're delivering the mm-hmm. the information that you're trying to deliver i guess yeah don't go don't go screaming at people on the phone yeah that don't that don't help anybody mm-hmm. no <laughs> no it's uh yeah but i, I think and again it's exciting from the, the standpoint that we we do have that ability to to change things and and be able to have an impact in that way and and again i think you know, not just saying this because I'm in the media realm or you're in the media realm, but there's things that we can do. Like you were talking to me about like things that you're passionate about are telling stories and mm-hmm. telling really cool stories. And we were brainstorming ideas for doing films and things that would be that would, you know, if someone were to watch that and they feel mm-hmm. positive in some way, have a, a certain emotion, whether they want to go do something that's similar, that would help things, or just that they get fulfillment and entertainment out of watching that in a positive mm-hmm. way. And, and, uh, from, from our standpoint, what we do, that's, that's a really cool way yeah. of being able to have that, that impact and do that.
1: That's it's super fulfilling. And that's what makes those projects fun and worth, worth all the really hard behind the scenes BS that nobody nobody sees and, and trying to figure out things that don't work and do work and break down and
0: all of it. Yeah. Was well, there anything else you think you want to add to that point there? No, I mean, um,
1: on the consumption side, I mean, we talked about earlier too, uh, not necessarily from uh what we put out there standpoint, but from what we take in, we talked about that some, yeah, 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 and I don't, I don't have the any evidence of it per se or scientific data to back it up, but I think there's some truth to the amount of stuff that we consume, whether from hunting on the hunting content side, but I think it spills over into other areas of life as well. But we consume so much information and stimulus about what we love so much, which is hunting and the pursuit of game or whether it's managing game or whatever, that I think over time we're training our ourselves to be, you know, conditioned to love that immediate success or that immediate reward. And it's a bit numbing to our actual experiences in the, in the woods and, out in the field of of the fact that, you know, and especially if you talk to your dad, like how many days does he spend actually out there? And how many days does he actually see that deer? You know. A lot to a little. Yeah, very. But he's still fired up to go out there and do it over and over and over again. And I think that, you know, the way that the algorithms are written now with TikTok and Instagram and the immediate just, we just see things, we see kill shots, we see successful pictures, we see all these kinds of things immediately without context to the blood, sweat, and tears that went into getting there, that it's not a conscious thing, but I think it's a subconscious conditioning that we ought to be aware of and probably regulate a little bit on
0: how we consume things. Yeah, I mean, so an an example too is like, the, how it can you know negatively impact you if you're having a rough season and you're not seeing many bucks or you're not seeing any turkeys or whatever, and you pull you get done hunting for the day, or maybe you're are hunting and you're on your phone yeah. and you look and you start seeing like so and so shot a huge buck, so and so, and and yes, you're happy for them, but there's always that part in your mind, it's like, man, yeah, I mean, do, what, do I yeah. suck? Like, no, it's like you don't, first of all, you don't know maybe that person this is the first buck they got in three or four years yeah. or this is you don't know that story or how much work that they put into that and it's hard you know even myself that is you know i think about it i'm in it but at the same time i still see it you know tough years like i had mm-hmm. this year now i'm very thankful that i shot a nice buck in west virginia and doe but in pennsylvania which is like my where my heart is all in there like yeah i i take i put a lot of effort into it and to not shoot a buck here this year, first time in a long time. It was really really hard. Yeah. You know, like, and like and it makes you question a lot of things and you're like, man, and but if you sit back and you think about it and you look at the experiences like I'm like, man, I had the best year ever that literally one little moment could have changed my whole perspective. Yeah. And and you got to have that in you have to have that in mind when you're scrolling and you're seeing all these things especially if you're new to hunting too, like if you're someone that comes into it and you heard about it from, you know, Cam Haynes and Joe Rogan talking and you're Mm -hmm. like, I want to get into hunting or I want to, you know, provide my own meat and, and you don't do good, but you see everybody else doing good. You, you start getting down about it and that's not that, that's not a good way to measure what, what it is because if we just like that aspect, our goal is to kill the animal to be able to do that but that can't be what you the only thing you love about doing it. Yeah. And that that whole pursuit of it. And my dad is that perfect example. You know, you you were in his basement. You saw the thousands of sheds literally mm-hmm. and all the bucks on the wall and if you were to put how much goes into every single one of those and you could tell again how much it meant to him because oh, yeah. he knew he could tell you a 20 minute story about every shed that he's found and that buck and going through it and mm-hmm. all those different things like there's so much more that goes into that and that's where that love of that pursuit and yeah. learning to love that that process of it is is super important where the consumption standpoint can Can deflate that a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think, I think if you were to look at the ratios, like you know, on 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 effort to success, it'd be a horribly low ratio for especially public land whitetail hunting. But it doesn't make it any less rewarding. You know, in fact, it would probably heighten it because you know it's that much more work that goes into something, and it makes it that much more pure and and I want to say rewarding again, but I've said that like 10 times, but (laughs) same thing. And I think social media is a, is an unrealistic just window snapshot to look at hunting through because like we said earlier, you're not able to show the whole context to how things hunting. That's why I like long form or really powerful short form stuff because I try to tie the, the emotion and the, the realism of, how how much it took to get there into the things that we make because it's the closest thing we can get to putting you there. You know, when it's, when we consume things that are just pinnacle, 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 pinnacle with none of the valleys ever in there, well then we expect the pinnacle with no valley. And it's, it's not a conscious thought. I mean, it's, you know, whether it's success in business, whether it's you know, success in in whatever, that's I think that's just how we're conditioned to to
0: process things and be used to things. Yeah, I mean relationships, whether that's you know, romantic or friendships or anything, like you're gonna have those those peaks and those valleys. And I'm not one to give much advice on, no. on a lot of those things, but I feel like you've got to understand that it's not always going to be riding that mountaintop looking on that ridge out at the sunset. You know, sometimes you're going to have to dive down to get water 2,000 feet below Mm -hmm. in the mountains and figure out how to get back up. Yep, That's what it takes.
1: It's, but that's what makes it worth it too. Yeah. I think that's the, the purity of hunting is in. And not only the respect of the game that you pursue, the feeding your family with, with good food, but also it's the blood, sweat, and tears that you were willing to sacrifice out of respect for the animal and the, in the love of the pursuit and the challenge
0: of besting that animal. Yeah, 100%. Well, I think, Thomas, I think we got into that pretty good and and man I feel like there's so many so much more to be said on it but I think that from the standpoint of anybody listening to this and the way that that we're describing again not not the doom and gloom side of it it's just being aware yeah. of how how you're thinking and how you're going through things and again it can be translated to so many different aspects in life and and uh I I really appreciate the fact that you think about that because it challenges me even hearing you talk about these things of the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps being around people like that and having these conversations.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think the best thing you can do in life is find people that, that think the way that you want to think and hang around
0: them, go hunting with them. Yeah. (laughs) Just go hunting with them. Go hunting with them. (laughs) I love it, dude. Um, so to, to kind of wrap this up, Thomas, if, uh, if anybody does want to follow you along on the social medias and, uh, you know, or reach out to you for any work or anything like mm-hmm. that. How do, how would someone get a hold of you? Uh, just Instagram. It's my name backwards. It's just Clements underscore Thomas,
1: and uh, that's where I'm most active. Most my portfolio, my website's linked there, and my contact information's there. You know, holla if you want to do something cool. <laughs> awesome, man. But, well, thanks Thank, for having me on. Yeah,
0: thanks for thanks for coming on, brother. I really appreciate it.